right, so we are fresh off the experience of watching the Black Panther. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. The Black Panther has been the protector of Wakanda for generations. Now it is time to show the outside world who we are. We went to see it as a family, which meant three brown sisters. Plus. And our Tolkien white guy. Plus our Tolkien white guy. <laughs> My partner, Genjo, was in the theater with us. We were all in um, really relaxing recliner leather seats uh-huh. in this like massive stadium seating situation. Yes. Um, in a theater in central Minnesota. And there were a few other brown people there. There were a few other brown people there. There was lots of laughter at the right time, so that was helpful. That felt good. Um, Once we were like snuggled into our situation, I think we all felt like safe enough to have this experience. Yes. (laughs) And it was a motherfucking experience. It was so wonderful. And so this is again, a spoilerific show, intentionally so. So we ask you, if you have not seen Black Panther yet, pause. This will be here waiting for you when you come back. Go see it. Go see it. Like, cancel your work plans tomorrow. (laughs) Just go see it. And go see the movie. Lie to whoever you need to lie to about what you're up to. (laughs) Don't post on social media that you're going to see the film. So Mm -hmm. you can go see the film and then act like you were sick and at the Mm -hmm. dentist or whatever. It's going to such a sick film. (laughs) Such a sick film. (laughs) But I'm she. I got so ill. Wakanda forever. (laughs) I feel like we should do like a quick just rush through of all the things that were freaking awesome. And then come to, we're sitting with some big questions. We're sitting, oh, wow. Yes. There's a lot, yeah, like we can acknowledge at the top, there's a lot that's complicated, Mm -hmm. beautifully complex about this film. It's so good. But yes, let's first go into the parts that we were like. The parts. The parts that were (laughs) amazing. This movie was plick and blop. Okay. We don't even have words anymore. So Okay. So one of the things that I was like in love with about this film was just straight up as an action film, it was a work of art. So I I said this in the car on the way home (laughs) that like one of the things that I find really frustrating about watching action films Mm. that are American made, especially in the last like ten years, this has really become more and more the case that Mm -hmm. like there's no Build up. There's no exactly. like moving us in most American made action films now. There's no moving us towards a climactic um, moment. And Black Panther did this beautiful job of actually building us up, giving us all the clues that some amazing fight scene was coming without blowing its load within the first like 15 <laughs> minutes on that fight scene. Yeah. And so by the time we had that final battle sequence where they're like out on that green space and it's just like, you know, the like, um, it's like, which, which it's like Okoye and her like amazing female, I know, I'm like, um, what are they warriors. Called, what are they called? Let's look it up. Oh, oh. this isn't going to tell us. Um, <laughs> versus, I know, I'm going to find out what uh, Versus Wakabe's like his army, mm. and then the Jabari army comes in right at the end and like, Fuck so awesome. some shit up with their like <laughs> situation. Oh it was just like that was so beautiful. But like, what was great was that the the film like cued us up for that moment multiple times over the course of like we had smaller little fight sequences along the way. We had the introduction of the rhinoceroses early in the film. So you, but you didn't really know what they were for exactly. until suddenly they're like busting up like, like the whole situation. Warrior rhinoceroses. Warrior rhinoceroses with like 
armor on their magical on their thing. Um, Okay, so that was one thing that I was like, I'm here for this. What were you here for? So almost everything like basically (laughs) (laughs) I was like totally geeking out the lady warriors I was like geeking out the entire time um so I loved I mean the inventions Shuri and her inventions just rocked my entire world like from the first minute we meet her as she walks through and she's like she's so playful with her brilliance and her Mm. genius and she's just like cracking jokes she's like yeah I'm a genius I'm still a lot of fun exactly I'm just like your outfits Mm. amazing things you've made are amazing and reliable it's like oh you can count on me you can count on my technology like i will be there when you need um so she rocked my world and then the actual like setting was so gorgeous like it gives you everything you're like oh beautiful african countryside like what kind of what you're expecting and then it's like and burst through that and then here's this multi-dimensional high-tech city that also echoes like what's going on in Africa right now that I feel like less visible to people or less, it's like the thing that people are less likely to see or less likely to look at is like, oh right. There's massive cities in Africa. Very futuristic, it's all happening (laughs) right right now. And I feel like Wakanda provides that. Yes. In this incredible way. Um, And then I just feel like the fight sequences were incredible. The and every character was incredible. So what you were talking about with like why the fight sequences mattered so much? Yes. In part to me, it's because they did the work of letting the characters become something that mattered to us. Like we really cared about why yes. each person was fighting, and I felt like they did a great job of not throwing anyone under the bus ideologically. Like they weren't yes. like, oh, this one we don't care about him, or they're making He's a bad villain. decision. Exactly. Like that distinction between villain and antagonist really mattered here. Yes. Right? And what Adrian's referencing there, just for our listeners, yes. is Michael B. Anthony, who plays the primary antagonist of the film, Eric Killmonger. Okay, listeners, this is the first of two instances in the episode where I refer to Michael B. Jordan as Michael B. Anthony. Who is Michael B. Anthony, you might ask? We have no idea. Apparently, it's a floral and events company. Um, It has nothing to do with Michael B. Jordan. Uh, My apologies for the error. I was very excited when we were recording the episode. He, in an interview um, this weekend, made the dis- made the distinction that he's like, I'm not the villain of the story, I'm the antagonist. And it's very much true. Like, he is not, you know, he's doing some <laughs> problematic things, as you'll see when you watch the For movie. Sure. Um, but it is true that he's not, um, he's not the baddie. There is no, like, big bad in the film. Exactly. Like, one of the things that I kept noting to myself is I love that everyone is respected like gains some respect or earns the respect throughout the film even if they're people who oh we're beefing with this person or they did something that felt like a betrayal or you know the um the jabari leader who comes and is like i'm gonna challenge you for this leadership right now because i don't agree with like the entire approach and the direction you're taking us towards technology yeah and but once he loses the challenge, it's like, he's like, all right, right I'm going to go good. do my thing. I'm, I'm going to respect this process. And then later it's like, yo, let me show up and help you out. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I found the name. By the way, so I feel like the name of the armed forces are the Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje. I think this I'm saying Okoye, that correct. This is Okoye, the general. So this is her, general, like, her warrior crew. Of amazing oh, warrior women. Oh, my God. I want all the um, breastplates. But one of the things I want to tell people is, like, Autumn and I are not experts on Black Panther. So... You might have picked up on that. We are not at all. Um, I actually was like, it's been one of those things. I'm like, I've got to read that. I need to read that. I've got to read that. And then when this started coming, I was like, let me just 
experience this and see what it's like to experience it. And now it's like, this is what I'm going to be reading for the rest of my life. Yes. So. I will say that I did watch the Black Panther cartoon, yes. which was on for just one season. I think that was 2010 that that cartoon was out. You told me to watch it. Um, and it's fantastic. I highly recommend that people go back and, and watch the Black Panther cartoon. Um, but yeah, but yeah, we're not like, we're not showing up in here as like super experts, but you know what? We're never showing up in here as super experts and, um, exactly. we're totally okay with that. Exactly. Um, I definitely felt like, what, say the name again of the Warriors. Doro Milaje. Doro Milaje. I was here for like everything about that. I was here for everything about Okoye, like the fight scene in the casino situation in Korea where she's like jumping, like every time she's jumping with her amazing red gown, like flying, like it's like the red, the red gown up. is like its own character exactly. in the film. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm here for everything about her and I thought it was such a complex, like to me, she also got read the hardest in some ways. Like, she's, like, such a badass. And then when it comes time to say, wait, this guy's actually not okay. Like, he's coming into leadership, and he stepped in through the path, you know, the challenge path. That the we ritual combat. Mm-hmm. But he's not a good guy. We don't know who he is, where he's come from, and, like, he stepped into leadership, which I think is, to me, the one of the main ways that the film reads the current American context, mm-hmm. the current U.S. context, right? <laughs> Which is like just there's an imposter. Someone seems to win the um, election or whatever it happens to be your ritual combat process. Just because someone seems to win that doesn't mean you all stand there and you're like, well, I'm loyal no matter what. And so I felt like that moment of her being like, I'm, I can't do this. I can't jump off and be part of the rebellion or resistance with you. That was a moment of like, oh, that's intense because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trusting you. But then. She totally makes a comeback because then her husband is the, you know, guy who's betrayed his best friend, basically. He becomes like Killmonger's like side boy. Homie, which like, I was just and like, it's just like, what's going on? All out. of you are wrong. <laughs> Get out. Place. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we say that because he's played by the actor who played the lead in Get Out, um, which I Daniel Kaluuya, like, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's also Okoye's love. And so there's this moment, this beautiful moment, where he's like, wait, you would choose Wakanda over me, basically? And she's like, yeah, with no hesitation. And that, to me, was also, like, that was just like, whew. Yeah. Like, what? And that forces him to his knees. Exactly. And that, to me, was, like, one of the most exciting questions that I felt like was asked throughout the entire film over and over and over again which is what are you loyal to mm-hmm. and how do you know, right. right? Like, are you loyal to family? Are you loyal to your love? Are you loyal to a nation? Are you loyal to black people? Are you right. loyal to the species? And I think underneath that question is like, so what are you loyal to and what does the thing that you're loyal to represent to you, right? Yes. Because any yes. of those things in that list, like family, nation, black people, like it it functions as a, um, like, it functions as a symbol of something else, like a symbol, exactly. an ideological symbol, right? Exactly. Um, and you see um, our main character, T'Challa, the Black Panther, as he's assuming leadership mm. right in the wake of his father's assassination. Yeah. You see him really struggling with that himself, that that what is going, what it's going to mean for him to be an effective king has a lot to do with where he throws his loyalty in yeah. terms and what that means to him to say, 
and you know ultimately I think my sense is that like the sort of messaging around where the film lands is that he ultimately lands in this place where he's going to stride or straddle um, tradition and um, quote unquote progress, a future um, that's rooted in technology. And it's interesting that, that, that that's like, that those two things are kind of positioned in conflict with each other in the film because the whole the whole uh, story of Wakanda is that Wakanda forever has basically straddled that place of exactly. tradition, integrating tradition and technology. Exactly. And so it's, this, it's interesting where it's like, okay, so what's the actual conflict here? In Wakanda, the conflict is not between technology and tradition. Yeah. That's not the actual conflict. That's like the conflict that's happening in the outside world is between those two things. Or it is present in Wakanda, but it's been, it's been controlled. So it's like present between the Jabari and all the other tribes. Right, 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 right. So the Jabari represent that body that's like technology is actually not our friend. They're like the Amish of Wakanda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because I read them inside of like the Hotep community. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like I was just sort of like, oh no, like don't go that path. Don't get down necessarily with all that technology. Like we already have ancient ancestral technologies. We don't need to like fuck with that stuff. Right. Right. And I was like much, you know, I thought they did that with like a lot of respect for here's how y'all are living and here's what you're doing. And like, it's really a key role. Right. Um, But then I was like, so that's playing out internally. Mm -hmm. But then externally, I totally thought it was like us versus everybody. It's like, that sense of what is abundance, like, do we have enough? Like, we have enough to take care of ourselves and to survive, and, mm-hmm. like, we have to survive forever and ever, and we can't trust the entire rest of the world, right? right. Like, there's such a sense of, like, why would we trust them? We can't trust them. They're not trustworthy. And I feel like it leads to some of the most amazing lines that I'm like, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Like, um, and, you know, this speaks to the role that white people play in the movie overall, right? It's like they are not a central part of this movie at all. They're not the villain. It's not like the main thing we're fighting against as a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not coming in to save us at the last minute. Like, they're supportive. They're funny. Like, we get to make fun of them. They're the and comic relief. They are comic relief. And, like, my favorite <laughs> line is Shuri saying that to Bilbo Baggins, which I'm like, Martin Freeman. Name? Martin Freeman, thank you. His character's <laughs> name is, we don't know, but we'll call him Bilbo okay. for now. Um, but he's... She says to like he he walks up on her startles or whatever. She's like, "Don't scare me, colonizer." <laughs> just like such a good oh, line. Snap. Like, is that a t-shirt? Like, what? How can I incorporate that into my daily life? Um, but just naming things as they are. But it's like oh, and then the other amazing line where when he goes to speak in front of the leader of the Jabari's, <laughs> they're like, and he goes, he goes, you do not speak. <laughs> And I was like, on my way out of the theater, I was like, okay, that I'm using that forever every time some white person tries to like spit some bullshit at me. Yeah, just I'm just gonna be like, things. Hoo, 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 I'm just like, hoo, 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 no, you don't get to white explain speak. to me. Um, I mean, it was just you know, in that way, a powerful experience of like, oh, this is something. This truly is a utopian thing, or like something we've never seen. It's like, oh, what does what does it look like for a body of people to develop outside the context of white people, white colonization? And so much so that there was a huge absence of light-skinned black people in the movie. Like, there were no central characters that were light-skinned black people. There were a few warriors that were light-skinned, and Mm -hmm. I, like, noted them, because I was like, okay, yeah, everyone's not gone. But then it was like... (laughs) Also really fascinating because it's like, yeah, this is what Where would that light skin like. person come where, from? Where, exactly, right? It's like if you're not interacting with white people, right. where does it come from? Although I think there are some really interesting questions around like 
you know, there's a lot of Ethiopian folks who are really light skinned. There's a lot of Eritrean folks who are light skinned. There's a lot of yeah. folks on the continent who are lighter skinned. But I think historically that traces back to some interactions. And I think there's a lot of mystery still about like, mm-hmm. and mystery, some of it intentional. Like we don't want to necessarily know all those stories, mm-hmm. but there's a lot there. And in this story, I love that they stick with. We have dark skin warriors, we have dark skin leaders, we have dark skin everybody. It's mm-hmm. all gorgeous. Like, drink in this dark skin gorgeousness mm-hmm. and power and contend with it. Yeah. It was really interesting thinking about the this idea of um, Wakanda really developing outside of colonization, outside of whiteness. Um, and then its relationship then to like what colonization has wrought in the world and what whiteness has wrought in the world as being like one of the essential or one of the sort of meta conflicts of the film. And then thinking about, I I was thinking about this in relationship to the way the film really lifts up the question of like, what is the responsibility of those who, what, what is essentially like, what is the responsibility of Africans for the suffering of black people? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the responsibility of those who were not displaced through um, enslavement or other aspects of diaspora for the suffering that has happened to people who have been enslaved in other parts of the world? Um, and one of the interesting things that, um, you know, it feels like one of the interesting things that the that the Eric Killmonger character and his his father, the uncle, Njobo, are sort of, the argument that they're making is that by Wakanda, by choosing to isolate itself for all this time, didn't have the opportunity to shape the progress exactly. of the global progress, mm-hmm. right? And that and the argument yeah. that they're now making to like the leader current leadership of Wakanda is that we actually we have a responsibility to shape what is happening globally. Exactly. And and to me that feels like a really interesting question uh, against the backdrop of you know what's actually happening, you know, outside of the the fictional Marvel universe, like what's actually happening in our world right now. This this question, I feel like that we're sort of constantly confronted with of whose responsibility is it actually to fix the problem? Yeah, and I feel like this, you know, one of the things I love about science fiction and fantasy is that you can step outside of the way that history has played out, which has been Africa, there's not been a nation in Africa that has been really able to be safe from colonization. Right. There's not some place that has been like, oh, like y'all went off and had to be slaves and we were just here chilling and accumulating resources and being wealthy and like being Mm -hmm. unperturbed by the outside world. It's like everyone has had to wrestle with, battle with, and be in their own battles with either direct colonization or other forms of internalized colonization that have come from interacting with culture. Mm-hmm. And for those that haven't taken those technological leaps, even if there are utopian qualities to the places, there's still this sense of being left behind or being left in a different time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, what if that gets flipped on its head? It's actually, there is some abundance or there is something to draw from. But for me, there was also like this heartbreak. So it's both like, what is the responsibility? And then what is the relationship? Mm. that exists between those of us who made it and those of us those of us who who became or the um our ancestors were slave enslaved people and then those of us who had never had an ancestor that was enslaved or the narrative that we have is we don't have ancestors that are enslaved yeah they were part of the same diaspora and i think it was for me 
that question or that thing that um, the Eric Killmonger character says at the end, bury me in the ocean um, with my ancestors who knew death was um, better than being uh, in bondage. In bondage. And I felt such, um, I'm like, oh, there is so much shame inside of saying that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, oh, all these people who's, who's, ancestors chose like I will survive bondage like I will stay alive in bondage and like for me I've just been like oh you know it's, it's been a work of my life to be like I see the power in that choice and I choosing see the to survive that choosing to survive and mm-hmm. saying like no we actually don't know if everyone like we don't know if anyone's going to be left on the continent right we don't know if all of the continent is going to be stolen taken or killed in this way like right. for me it's always been the thing of like we don't know enough to make that choice of just like I will personally jump off even right. though that's also a brave choice of being like, I will not, you know, like to me, I'm like, I found respect for all of the different choices that people made to move through that place yeah. or most of the choices. It right? took all of those choices being made for us to be in this moment, for us to be here, for us to be here. Mm-hmm. But then I think that part of what he problematizes there is like, is it worth it for us to be here? Like the life that I had to live, was it worth it for me to go through all that suffering? Like, you don't know what it's like to have gone through that, you know, like mm-hmm. to have grown up in Oakland, to have grown up without my father, to have grown up, in that in that suffering in that environment well, and, and it's so interesting um so genjo my partner was really pointing out um like the psychology of um mm-hmm. their you know the eric killmonger character and the t'challa characters um they both take these trips into um the beyond world yeah, the um world. to like to meet with their ancestors their fathers and that mm-hmm. You know, that T'Challa, both times that he makes that trip, you know, he finds his father in this beautiful ancestral plane surrounded by other ancestors. And when Eric's character makes that trip, he's back in that apartment where he held his father's dead body. And that's where his father is, too. Like, they're both... They're both trapped in that place. Um, And it's really... It is interesting that that question that is being posed by his character of, like... Of is it you know like can and, and in some way it's like the question that's being posed by the movie is like do you really see the harm can yes. you really see and understand the actual level of harm that's happening here yeah. can you sit with that harm and then continue to choose to not to intervene exactly. and to not to make a decision we are going to shape this in a different direction that, you know that and like the intergenerational work that they do of like saying I'm going to look at you and be like I love you I do love you enough to actually cry in front of you I mm-hmm. love you enough to come back and find you here I mean because both of them inside of different resistance are are in tears in front of their fathers mm-hmm. asking them to account for the decisions that they made yes and yes yes it feels like one of those things where I'm like oh I don't think we see enough you know it's like I think so many action films are actually structured trying to do that in some way like and not pulling it off right yeah I'm like because you haven't built up enough of the storyline to make that a legitimate exchange and a legitimate question and this I feel like they do it not once but twice with two different characters where you're like oh like what decisions did you make that left us like this and how do I in my short lifetime make some other decision that starts to move us in a different direction mm. and a more holistic direction and who knows if it's the right direction or not, right? Yes. But there's a sense of right and wrong in there that goes across, that spans across time. And I think there's so much healing, not inside of going back and being like, we can make this right between us across generations, but rather going back and being like, 
I love you and I reject something that your generation was moving towards. Yes. Right? Yes. And I love you and yes. for our people, for our lar- for our Wakanda and for our larger vision. I'm going to reject that. I'm going to move in a different direction. Yes. And this is like this is the beauty of the ap- of the absence of like a central white character exactly. in the film, right? That like because all of the <laughs> because all the most important conflicts in the film are happening within and among black people. Yes. It means that like not only are we just getting to like bask in the beauty of that and the fact that like white folks are just totally tertiary to the storyline, but like we're also getting to be in oh, there's many, many layers of complexity now to the conflicts that are happening amongst these characters and we get to be in all of that exactly. without it because you know there's no like there's no easy villain. There's exactly. no like um and there's no easy resolution to be exactly. had. You watch the characters basically say um, with the information I have, I'm going to make the only choice that feels available to me right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that there's like, you know, so now I feel like, you know, the gush, the gush continues. Because to me, even having these problems or the complexities that I have with the movie are part of like, I'm like, I feel like we've been given such a good movie oh, that there's just like yes. stuff to contend with and stuff to argue around. Yeah. But like, I'm just like, oh, and then you see some of the complexities that I see showing up in our black movement work right now which is you have a character like Eric Killmonger show up who is, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of accurate analysis, right? That's just sort of like, hold on, it is so unfair mm-hmm. that y'all are over here generating all these resources that could liberate all of our people and you're just holding on to them. And I love that they, that the truth there is considered so valuable that even though the way he's bringing it is wrong, they actually learn from the truth and figure out a way to apply it. Yeah. But then examining his character, because he's very compelling. Like, he's a very he's compelling antagonist. Like, you oh. can't take your eyes off him. And it's not just because he's I literally couldn't take my <laughs> you know? eyes off him. Every time he walked on screen, I was like, is there anyone else in the movie now? I think you were also groaning. Um, but I think that there's... <laughs> uh, which is great, because I was like, your boo is there. It's just like, this is the future. But, I was groaning and holding his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. So, I mean, one of the things that I think is deep about him and his character is he comes in with this like accurate analysis, tons of hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And like so much Literally hurt, wearing it on his body. Literally wearing it all over his body. So much hurt that he has caused and so much hurt that he has borne and so much hurt that he cannot actually fulfill a transformation. Like when he is offered, like, do you want to heal? We can, it's possible. We could heal you. Like we have that capacity. Yeah. That he rejects it and that he comes in with no base, right? Like it's not like he has built a movement of people that are like having his back and at mm-hmm. his side. And so it's like. He's just out here on he, his own. Exactly. With his He's girlfriend his, that he kills. Own. I know. I was like, wait, you, like, you just offed her. You just like took this older elder woman up by the neck. You burned all the like most valuable resource. Like you're making a mess out here and just mm-hmm. destroying the shit out of everything. And that doesn't mean you don't have a point, but we can't let you continue, right? And it's like he has we- he has an accurate analysis, but he doesn't believe that he deserves love. Exactly. And so he cannot he can't act in a loving way. Exactly. He can't receive the gift of Wakanda. And I'm just like, he deserves the gift of Wakanda. And mm-hmm. like the fact that they, they, they construct the story such that you get to that place with him where even though you've seen him do all this harmful behavior, hurt women, kill all these people, steal shit from Wakanda, burn all this stuff down, there's still, for me at least, I felt a moment where they're sitting there looking at the sunrise and I'm like, 
Yes, heal him. Heal him. Heal him. Let, him be, like, his, let him be your brother. Exactly. Yes. And fundamentally, I just felt so emotional about that because I'm like, this is how I feel. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, this is how I feel. This is like the depth of my love for black people right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yes, y'all motherfuckers are messy. We are all being messy. We're trying so hard to get free and mm-hmm. we don't know how. None of us know how. And there's so many different kinds of messes. But it reminds me of that Tony K. Bambara line in The Salt Eaters, like, do you want to be well, right? Mm. Like, do we want to be well? Are mm. we ready for it? And I just feel like this movie pulls that in, yeah. right? It's like, oh, you have to want to be well because if you do, we know how to heal. Like, yeah. And, you know, technology and the many ways of use of technology, it's mm-hmm. like there's technology that's cool machines, but there's also the technology of love and loyalty that moves between all of them. It's just sort of like these rituals by which we travel to other planes, the rituals by which we transition leadership, the rituals, because, well, I'll just say one thing on that too, that I love, so even though we're talking about kings and queens and like stuff that generally I'm like, I'm anti-monarchy, you're anti-monarchy in general, we're not not down for it. And I like the idea. Although, like, Chadwick Boseman, by the end of the movie, I was like, Chadwick <laughs> Boseman for president. Like, I was like, can put he on that cape thing and just, like, be our president. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, but part of it was that I was like, oh, I like that you have to fight for it. And you have to fight for it without the superpowers. So I love that yes. it was like, you mm-hmm. have to actually get stripped of the power of the Black Panther. Like, the, the yes. I like that it was something that could come on and come off. That was like, the part of you that could become the leader you had to do that without all the yes you know magic in your system and just be like do you have the will do you have the strength do you have the skill yeah to do this role if you do then we will infuse you with what we give to a leader here but you don't just automatically have that and i thought that that's the sound of me snapping i'm so excited about it exactly i was like oh how do we do that (laughs) well and i do love that even in the midst of all the technology and yes like shuri uses technology to like heal Bilbo Baggins' spine, but like the 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 ancient technology that actually heals Chadwick Boseman in his like moment of almost death where he's in a coma in the ice is that herbal flower. You know exactly. what I mean? And I love that it's okay. like, oh herbs. Exactly. Herbs is like, what heals him. Herbs is what heals him and snow. Yes. <laughs> herbs and snow. Herbs and snow. You know, I live in Minnesota. I believe in the healing power of snow. We literally are out here healing with some herbs and snow like right now. <laughs> um um, yeah, so I mean, it, I think uh, at risk of opening up the things that do feel, yeah. you know, complicated, I, mean, I, think get there. I think let's just go all the way there. And, you know, one of the things that Adrian and I were doing in, in the lead up the last couple of days leading up to seeing this movie um, saying Wakanda forever all the saying time. Saying Wakanda forever all the time, <laughs> ensuring that everyone that we were connected to on social media knew that we had not yet seen the film and needed to like stay away from us with all of the spoilers. Um, but one of the things that we were also avoiding was all the think pieces. Um, and it was it takes work because you know think pieces now come along with like pretty seriously like clickbait titles that are like, you know, why Black Panther is the movie none of us deserve and all this stuff. You know, <laughs> it's just like that was an actual title <laughs> really of a think piece that I've like, all right, I'll go back and look at that at some point. But my entire saved items on all they're of my all media <laughs> is basically black people. 
Black Panther. So like sometime tomorrow, I'll just um, be like immersed in all yeah, that. Yeah, but you know, so one of the things that I was coming out of the movie with was thinking about like, okay, what are the things that I think could really be read as like legitimate critiques of this film? And one of the things that I was thinking about was um, the potential critique or what I imagine is like truly a critique of the film as being a very grandiose version of the like magical Negro trope in American literature, this idea of like an all-powerful, magical being version of black people mm-hmm. who, you know, if they're if if activated in the right circumstances at the right moment, can save. Um, in this case, you know, in the case of the Black Panther and the Marvel Universe, can save like humanity from itself. In most of American literature, the way that trope functions is like can save white people or save a white person from you know almost certain death. Um, and I, you know, um, and I can so I can really imagine that as like a um, even even though the film is an entirely black and African cast even though it's an African-American writer, even though like all of all the ways in which blackness is centralized in the film, it's still against this backdrop of like a world in trouble. And the reason why the world is in trouble is because of colonization. And are black people, are are the Wakandans going to make their technology and magic available Uh to colonizers who've like fucked up the whole planet? Are they going to rescue white people from themselves? Um, Which, you know, it's in this, and to me, this, connects back to that question that I think is an actual question that's raised by the film, which is like, do we believe that we actually are all one people? And if so, what is our responsibility to heal the suffering of the world, even if we didn't cause it? Yes. Even if we didn't cause it, what is our responsibility to healing the world? And can we like move beyond these tropes? Yeah. To a place of like a true sense of mutual accountability to one another, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of sitting with the reality that I know that that critique is there and I think it's legitimate because, you know, I am aware of Black Panther as something that's arising from uh, an American white created, you know, comic universe. Yeah. And I think that the movie does a really effective job of like problematizing that trope and yeah. being like, yeah. okay, you know, what about this? How about this way? Yeah. Well, and I think in a very specific way. So, like, we, you know, this magical Negro trope, I'm like, like, every, you know, I'm like, oh, what is the magical Negro trope? And, like, I think that the piece in it where I'm like, no, is that in so many times where you see the magical Negro trope, it's like the Negro doesn't care about themselves. They, they, it's like they put the white person before themselves. They mm-hmm. put the needs of white people before themselves. And so what I feel like is so powerful about this movie is that that's the argument, is people are being like, it's not, we're not going to put white people above ourselves. Like, we've been putting ourselves center and our survival center for so long. And yes. mm-hmm. now we're being asked to make sure that other black people, like that the rest of the diaspora can access those things. And then that's when the UN part at the very end is a little confusing. Because I'm like, wait, are we giving this to the diaspora? Are we just giving this to every old body Are we giving now? this to the CIA? Right? Exactly. And then, like, having the CIA play a central role in it. The whole thing was just sort of like, who, who... It, again, who are we loyal to? Who mm-hmm. is who are we writing with? And who, who are we in relationship with? Who are we in relationship with, mm-hmm. right? And how do we start to say, um, is it all? Like, do we have an abundance of resources and an abundance of access on this planet for everyone? Or do we not, mm-hmm. right? Do we fundamentally believe that or do we not? I think another question side of this is just a believability question of like, if vibranium 
lands in this place, <laughs> knowing how colonization has worked, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I had a hard time believing that we, that I just had a hard time believing that they would actually be able to keep it safe, right? Like, I'm like, you know, they're flying towards it. I know there's sort of a jungle cover over it, mm-hmm. but I think people would eventually be like, I see where that airplane keeps flying into the jungle cover, and I'm going to figure this stuff out. So but I the airplane want- can make itself invisible. All of that, right? I was like, I, I'm sure that Shuri is on it. I'm <laughs> like, Adrian, and, willing suspension of disbelief. I know, right? But but this is where I'm like, oh, my questions, my questions. I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, it comes from a place of like, I want to make sure it's safe. Like, if it's actually out there, I just want to make sure it's for real, for real safe. And that like, <laughs> everyone is taking the batteries out of their cell phones when they're crossing the boundary or whatever it is, <laughs> right? Um, but I also think it raises this interest. I mean, like, fundamentally, it's another way of talking about borders, right? It's like, yes. you know... There's some people who think that the U.S. is Wakanda, right? They think that, oh, like, everyone wants to come here and cross our borders and get into this place, and this is the most valuable place. And so... Oh, there is that amazing moment, Mm -hmm. the conversation between T'Challa and his bestie, Wakabe, where Wakabe is like, well, if you let the refugees in, you let their problems in with them. And it's just like a... Exactly, like, right? It's you like, know, like oh. crawling all over my skin, feeling, listening to those characters exactly. have that conversation. Have that conversation. And it reminds us, reminds me, that all these things, slavery, all these things predate whiteness, right? They predate, they're, they're not tied to any particular culture. This is where Octavia Butler, as always, is like so brilliant because she talks about that, like the primary problem the fatal flaw of humanity is a combination of hierarchy and intelligence and that we always come back to it that we always find ways to be like we are the at the top of the hierarchy like we need to be at the top of the hierarchy and that's the safest place and we got to use our intelligence to defend our position at the top of the hill right Mm. whatever that is and i just thought oh but i was like we deserve to have the space to have these debates like i want to see lots and lots of black people in healthy debates around this stuff because this is happening in our communities like there are black people who are anti-immigrant even though there's a million black immigrants there are black Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. are pro-wall and pro-borders and like we got to protect our jobs and like all this what i think of as very conservative thought processes that hurt my heart because i'm like all that stuff gets used against us how could you side with it and yet it's live. It's happening. Denying we are represented it. across the political spectrum. We are. And ignoring it doesn't mm-hmm. keep, get us any freer. Right? And I'm glad you brought up the piece around like toxic hierarchy because I think that this is another, you know, one of the the complicated aspects of the film is that yeah. like, um, and I think that this is like a very typical thing that's complicated about American films is yeah. sort of the uncomplicated presentation of hierarchy and wealth mm-hmm. as like a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That there's like, um, it's uncomplicated that there's a royal line. It's un- I mean, there's a ritual combat and blah 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 and all those things. But like, there's a there's a there's a momentum to T'Challa coming into leadership as the next king because he's the prince, and that's exactly. like that's uncomplicated. There's a, it's like yeah. uncomplicated how much wealth they have access to. Exactly. Um, and even though there is like so, the, and there is this interesting presentation of like there is a culture of farming, of um, animal husbandry, of exactly. like you know. Um, of like a, a, a culture of people being in open air markets and stuff exactly. like that, and then there's also these like massive buildings, exactly. where hyper technology, hyper technology, and like who has who has access to which parts of that par- those parts of society yeah. that's presented in a really uncomplicated way exactly. that doesn't feel 
that's the part for me that didn't feel believable, yeah, right? Totally. Um, and I felt like this is all inside still like a super gush. Like I'm really like so satisfied it with was this film fucking awesome. and so excited to be like, give me 18,000 sequels. Yeah, I was her. like, Okoye needs her own sequel. Like I just need a whole sequel on her. And her and Wakabe's um, relationship because honey, I, you know there's going to be trouble at home on those waters. And in fact, <laughs> I, like, I feel like there's a whole interesting thing in the um, in the comic version with her character and um, sexuality stuff. Although I might be misremembering which character that is. Yeah, um, I feel like her needs her whole own thing. And then I'm really interested in what they're going to do with Nakia. Because it's like, I love that Nakia, like the love affair that was like, oh, they've had a love affair. There is really something down. about power dynamics played into it. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm down to show up for you because your dad just died. And like, you know, but I'm, st I'm not down to like come and like leave my life and be your wife. I've got a calling. And I love that the only way she's willing to interact with him in any romantic way is once he says, I know you have that calling and I'm going to support that calling. Like I'm going to make sure that that is a part of whatever's yes. happening here. Yes. Um, no matter what it means, no matter what it takes. To, Even if to it means we're going to be long distance. Exactly. Right. I'm just I'm like, like, that's super powerful. I respect that. I respected that too. So I'm like, that's another storyline that could go off. I would love to hear. I mean, I would love to actually see a little storyline of what happened between when Eric Killmonger found his dad and when he when we first see him in the movie. Right? Yeah. Because I'm like, actually like what was his we get told about Can that we life, get but Michael I'm like, B. Anthony his whole own movie. Just give him more, you know, because I'd like to see a little more. You a know? little more of <laughs> him without and then there was uh, with the vest be, on and without the vest on. And then I was I was reading that there was supposed to be a lesbian love affair and that there is one in the comics um, between two of the warriors. And so that was something that I felt like you know, I want to do a little reading and just see if I can find out why that wasn't included in the film because it mm -hmm. feels like they did such excellent work around gender and how people were like gender did not seem to be a deciding factor in the kind of work or roles that people were holding, or if anything, it was held as like a oppositional thing. It was like right. women are warriors in this in a lot of these spaces. Exactly. Um, so I'm like, well, why wouldn't you have this lesbian love affair like with all these? Where's the lesbians? Exactly. Ladies. So um, that felt like something I was longing for. I the, the last thing I'll say about okay. the thing that has been so immensely satisfying about this film, I'm flipping through the comic right now looking for the lesbians. <laughs> um, looking for lesbians. Where's the lesbians? Um, is the soundtrack. Oh. Yes. Okay. So they I dropped the soundtrack for last Kendrick week. Lamar, SZA, The Weeknd. Who else? Everybody's on the soundtrack. Everybody's on the soundtrack. It is, but I love that it's all these up and coming artists. Like you know, Kendrick's pretty established, but mostly other folks. It's not like they put like Beyonce, Rihanna, Jay Z. You know, it was like yeah, we're gonna give you a very black soundtrack, and it's gonna be a lot of folks just like the actors in this film, who are up and coming. You may have seen them here and there, but like. Now they're claiming their spot in history, claiming their spot as shapers of the cool, which I just felt like, and it was so brilliant to drop it a week before so that we were just listening to it, listening to it, listening to it. So then something felt like a puzzle piece landing in place when you're yes. watching the film and the different sounds start coming in. You're like, that's a like, song by the weekend. That goes you know? with that part of the movie. And then it ends with the perfect song, which is all the stars are closer. And it's just like, all that the is stars so... are closer. All the stars are closer. It's so oh, yes. So good. Um, and just generally, like having a film where all the characters get to be so complex and they don't have to compromise on their complexity mm -hmm. for the film to continue. Like, it felt like there was very little simplifying people. It was yeah. like, here's black complexity and black excellence. Deal with it. And the, the acting is just so. 
Like I, we were just talking in the car on the way home about like the the ways in which both um, Chadwick Boseman and Daniel Kaluuya are so understated yes. and like complex in yes. the way they deliver their performances yes. and. Oh, it's just so joyous to see again against this backdrop of like eighty years of exactly. like um, of African Americans having to perform, um, having to perform blackness in like the biggest possible way, yes, and and always having to be like caricatures of themselves to watch these like incredible actors be able to just like get to just be acting exactly, <laughs> you know, just to be mean? acting and like. I just as, say, as something to differentiate from performing blackness is really powerful to see. I want to say thank you, Ryan Coogler. I want to say thank you to all the black people who went out to see this and everyone else who went out to see this to break all the records for this opening weekend because it means we're going to get a lot more. Thank and you, we'll Tony Casey Coates. For all of it. And Roxanne Gay and all the folks who have been carrying the legacy for it all this thank time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love y'all. I want to see more Chadwick Bozeman in a in an outfit. <laughs> also. I'll make sure you get that. Okay. Love y'all. Love y'all. Spoilerific. Thunder Bindu, 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 Thunder Bindu,